0: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. And this week we're going to discuss the Michigan football team's victory at Maryland this past Saturday. We're going to look ahead to this Saturday's game against nobody as Michigan is on a bye, but we'll break down what the focus of these next two weeks should be heading into the final three games of the regular season, starting with Michigan State. And we will be talking plenty of Michigan basketball as the Wolverines open the 2019-20 season on Tuesday. But first... A few headlines from this week. Jawan Howard is a six-foot-nine contradiction. As a player, first at Michigan and then for 19 years in the NBA, he was as tough as they come, playing physical under the basket, doling out a hard foul when necessary. But he also showed a compassionate, caring side. He brought that full personality to coaching, first for six years as an assistant with the Miami Heat, and now in his first season as Michigan's head men's basketball coach. Here's sophomore forward Brandon Johns Jr. summing up Howard nicely. Quote, It's crazy to see him on the court and then off the court. On the court, he's an animal. He doesn't take anything from anybody. He emphasizes being tough, aggressive, and holding your ground. But off the court, he's one of the most caring people I've ever met in my life, unquote. Howard manages to strike an impressive balance between pushing his players in practice, holding them accountable, while showing them he is invested in their lives outside of hoops. Those in the Heat organization saw it firsthand, and now the Wolverines get to experience it as
1: well. Jim Harbaugh preaches a one-game-at-a-time mentality, yet the Michigan coach appears to be peeking ahead this week. Harbaugh was on the Inside Michigan football radio show Monday night, his one and only public interview this week during Michigan's bye week. He told host John Jansen that recruiting and game planning for Michigan State are on the agenda, as is a toned-down practice schedule, an attempt to get his players, quote, rested and, quote, prepared. Uh, the 14th-ranked Wolverines host Michigan State next Saturday, November 16th, before traveling to Indiana November 23rd and closing the regular season at home against Ohio State on November 30th. All opportunities to improve their standing in the Big Ten and nationally. It's also an opportunity to move up in the eyes of the selection committee with the first set of college football playoff rankings due out Tuesday night. Harbaugh said we're getting ready to play a three-game season because that's what our season's down to right now. And some major news in Michigan recruiting. As three-star quarterback commit
2: J.D. Johnson was ruled medically ineligible to continue playing football. That leaves the Wolverines without a quarterback in the 2020 class. Now, they don't necessarily need to add one, with Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton, and Cade McNamara all likely to return next season. But it's looking like they are targeting a few guys. C.J. Stroud is the top uncommitted quarterback in the class. He's a four-star from California and has had a breakout season. He is the fourth-ranked pro-style quarterback in the class and has notable offers from Ohio State, Oregon, Georgia, and UCLA. Jim Harbaugh will reportedly be in attendance to watch his game on Friday as the Wolverines hope to make a late push. The Wolverines also have interest in Hawaii quarterback Jaden DeLora, a Washington State commit. He is the 24th ranked pro-style quarterback in the class and the teammate of current Michigan wide receiver commit Roman Wilson. We will see how things shake out here in the next month, but again, it's not imperative Michigan adds a quarterback in this class. Remember, they also have a commit from 2021 five-star J.J. McCarthy, and the team could always go to the transfer portal route as well. Read those three stories and more on
0: MLive.com slash Wolverines. Now that you're caught up on some of the major stories this week, we can return to the beautiful unscripted mess that is this <laughs> podcast uh, and, w- and really what it's known for. Ryan, I thought you'd be mentioning maybe the pizza story for your headline. <laughs> oh, uh, man.
2: Yeah.
0: For those that don't know, there was a challenge at a, at a local restaurant. Where was it? It wasn't in Ann Arbor. Uh, Thompson's Pizzeria in Chelsea. There you go. Where you had to eat a 30, 13. 30 inch, 30, 30 inch.
2: inch, about 13 to 15 pound pizza in 30 minutes. A three
0: three person team.
2: Yes. And you were on one of those. Teams. I was on one of those teams. And when they brought it out, I'm like, you, I'm like there's no way we even finished half of this. It was absolutely ginormous. The crust was cheese stuffed which kind of was uh, added a little bit more filling to uh, the pizza. And we got off to a strong start, and we were rolling. And then me personally, I, I hit a wall, and, like, we, ha- you had to have three toppings, and we chose bacon, pepperoni, and onion. I wanted green pepper instead of bacon because why choose two meats when you don't have to when you're supposed to eat a bunch of pizza? Someone on our team did not want that and wanted an extra meat, so I will not name his name, but – he ended up going with more meat. Regrettable decision, in my opinion. But we finished with, I think we had 54 ounces left of pizza. So we actually did, I thought we did pretty good. But Okay, yeah. question.
1: Was there a limit on the number of people that could be, like on a team? Yeah, three. It could match Yeah. Okay.
2: So we had two teams of three. Okay. The other and, team did better. Yes, yes, they did. I will say I felt that I was one of the top eaters in sure. overall but we that might have had a, we guys. might we have had that. we yeah. might have had a weak link on the Did you watch the video Aaron?
0: I watched the uh, video no. I read the story no. and you know it's just classic Zook all over this thing, and I loved it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's talking about carrying the team. He's talking about how they definitely ate more than the other team, then the way in comes they did not. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about people you're not willing to name? I'll do the same. I've got a, a name source that may have showed me some behind the scenes uh, photos or videos, you know, in which you know Zook does not look so good after the fact. Right, because I you ate know, a ton and, of pizza. You know, you you know, you, you, I was you, going for the, the win.
2: Own. Yeah, I did give it. I did not eat again, so that was at about. Three fifteen. I did not eat again until eleven thirty at night, and it was basically a small snack.
1: Okay, so Zook and I over the summer did when Michigan brought out all the concession menu items mm-hmm. at Michigan Stadium. And Zook and I went to that, and we had a huge milkshake. What did you feel worse after doing the oh, pizza 100% or the milkshake?
0: hundred
2: percent. I I literally couldn't move. like. I had to write a couple stories afterwards. I'm just I almost came back to the office and had to lay down for a little bit. I driving back to the office, I laid down because I just did not move. But we well, really survived. No. I have not had a piece of pizza since then, though, and uh, I don't have any desire to have any anytime
1: soon. So, I'm assuming that video is also at dot com as well. For yeah, yeah, check it out. The There's thing. a
2: story video, bunch of gifts of me. If it seems like everyone's been enjoying those. Struggling through uh, eating the pizza, so. All right. Well, that's the competitive eating portion of uh, this episode. I do not recommend to do an eating contest. I really didn't think it would be that bad. I'm like, you just eat till you're full, and then it's like it's like you're just being – I had a big dinner, but, like, I really try to just – Continue to go, go, and go, and I think the cheese—it was just the cheese, but So much cheese, <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: Stop the cheese. I'm not gonna comment on that. Oh, oh my god! So Maryland, uh, Michigan <laughs> went to Maryland on Saturday. They came out with a 38 to seven victory, second straight 31 point victory mm-hmm. for Michigan. The defense pitched a shutout, essentially, given Did? that the you know only points came yeah. on a kickoff return. I don't know how many uh, games where you have. Each team have a kickoff return for a touchdown. Yet alone, both the exact same yard. It's ninety seven yards. But yeah, Aaron, you were you were the only one who was actually there. What stood out for you from that
1: game? Uh what stood out? Michigan's fast start stood out to me. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the few times this season where they've gotten going early, thanks to that ninety seven yard kickoff return by Giles Jackson. I mean, they're up fourteen nothing before Maryland even had a first down. So I think that alone gives you confidence, and it gave them confidence. I don't think like this Maryland team is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw that on Saturday. that they, they got some kinks to work out offensively. Herba, Jim Harbaugh said it a few weeks ago, and it's bearing fruit. It's true, I think. Michigan has found its stride, I think. They have found momentum. They're now a bye week, so we'll see. But I think it's giving fans and the outsiders some confidence here. This team can play with some of these upper echelon teams. We're getting into later on, but I think Michigan came out of that game feeling good about itself. They have win number seven now. I thought they played a complete game relatively.
0: Yeah. Again, we, we mentioned defensively, there were some, you know, bend but don't break moments, I guess, did, especially right?
1: early, early in that
0: game. But again, did not give up any points. Got after the quarterback a lot. You know, had some big plays, turnovers and sacks and things like that. And then offensively, you know they ran the ball really well again, and you know, it was kind of like the Nerd Dame game. They threw when they needed to. Like the numbers weren't you know gaudy or anything like that. But, yeah, you know, hit established the run to set up the pass and, you know, hit, hit on a couple touchdowns and things like that. So
1: They didn't have to do anything great. Now right. <laughs> you didn't. It's not like they had to pull Magic out of their back pocket and, mm-hmm. and come up with a big play. They threw the ball when they had to. Like you said, they ran the ball relatively well, I thought. They got, you know, Hassan Hoskins, Zach Schreibern. I think one of the things coming out of this game that really stuck with me is Michigan truly, I think, does it at this point in the game. This the point in the season, they have three running backs they can rely on. We were talking about early on the season about the running back situation. It was clear early on between the fumbles, the turnovers, the inconsistent play. That whether how they were going to get you know production from the run game. The last few games, I think they've shown with, with Zach Charbonnet with Hassan Hoskins. By the way, I think is number back at this
2: point. Yeah, it, it, is that what we're determining now that he's number one, or is it more just kind of giving Zach Charbonnet some rest? I, I, I and, and... think it's
1: a combination. I, I think I think Hassan has played well the last few games, so he's earned those those first team reps. Now the, the coaching staff hasn't said. But Hassan's looked pretty good these last few weeks. I think he's gaining confidence. We spoke with offensive line coach Ed Warner last week, and you know, he was asked about Hoskins, and he said, said the same thing. He's like, he's a capable back. He's busted some runs in practice. The difference now is he has confidence. He's momentum. He's done it in games, so he, he feels better about himself. Uh, and then you work in True Wilson, who I think had the last couple of weeks is working really well as well. He had a 39-yard carry on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's a,
0: a good question, but I think Haskins definitely is. He's getting more carries. You know, Charbonnet is kind of coming in, and I don't know, I think the, the football drive. players call this vulturing or whatever. Really? You know, he's coming in and getting the, uh, the touchdowns tor- mm-hmm. sort of towards the end of the drives. But, yeah, Haskins is... You know, hit more big plays. And again, he's just got more carries, more yards, you know, now for a couple weeks in a row. So I think he's, he's been very impressive. Special teams was kind of interesting. Again, we mentioned, of course, the kickoff return sort of gut punched to Maryland to start the game. Uh, Michigan also, you know, allowed the kickoff return. So that's not good. And then did did miss a field goal. You had Moody miss from 37. So then Nordine came in for the next one, which was, you know, basically the same, just 38 and made it. First field goal of the season? Yeah, it's kind of these interesting, I don't know, head games almost with these kickers. I'm not sure that this is like the best approach where you got a guy literally looking over his shoulder. You know, you miss it. You're you're out. We were talking about that
1: in the press box, I think, after the game among some of the writers, whether that's the appropriate way to go, but that's clearly how Michigan's kind of handled it this year. I mean, they they talked about rotation and whatnot. They talked about a competition back in spring and then fall camp. The pressure was on both of these guys that they knew if they missed – Mm-hmm. Few times in a row, or they got their are kicking went south, the other guys didn't get the job. So that seems to be the, you know, the prescription Michigan has decided to run with. You know, whether the, I don't know how the players deep down feel about it, but I mean, well, we did get Moody, uh, Moody last week, and he was
2: saying that he thinks that the competition bodes well for both of them, and it's making them better kickers. But yeah, I mean, I what know. else is know. he going to say? Yeah, I yeah like it's, I mean, there was also like reading his body language at times too. He might have been like, well, yeah, I mean, it's tough because you don't really know who's thrown out there at times. And I mean, if you make one thinking like, all right, I can get in a rhythm here. Maybe they the coaching staff will send out the other guy the next time too. So.
0: That was yeah. A- I mean, it's a quick hook, but it's an interesting thing. It's not like you're kicking, you know, five, six times field goals, at least a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had 13 attempts, field goal attempts between the two of them, you know, now over the, the nine games. Uh, it's not a lot. No. So it's like, you know, one can decide the game. If a guy misses, all right. Yeah. It's, he feels he's got another capable guy. So he makes a move right away, but yeah, it is. It will it be interesting, interesting
2: if like a, a game comes down to as, uh, Moody was saying the other day too, how he's never had a game winning kick. So we'll see if any of these next few games come down to the wire here, who the coaching staff would decide is their number one kicker when the, when the game's on the line. Yeah, you
1: mentioned the defense too earlier, and you know I, I think Josh Metellus he played a really good game. I think Jim Harbaugh Monday night called it Metellus's maybe its best game in Michigan uniform. You know, he had nine tackles, two for a loss, he had the interception. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he was all over the place, especially in the first half. I think eight of his nine tackles came in the first two quarters. But he was all over the place. He played relatively well. You know, Michigan got some pressure on Josh Jackson, but and Harbaugh mentioned this after the game on Saturday, there were times where there was no pressure on Jackson, but Jackson had nowhere to throw the football. The secondary just had guys covered. So I, I thought Michigan secondary did a very good job of keeping themselves on the on the offense. Khalil Hudson, another big game, eight tackles, uh he had a breakup. Michael Dana, again, he had, he's showing up again. He had the pressure on the uh, Metellus interception. Mm-hmm. He had the hit. Yep. Michigan, they got pressure when they needed to. They made plays when they needed to. Overall, I thought, a pretty good game.
0: Now, of course, then that begs the question, is it going to be good enough going forward? So Michigan's got three games left. They do not play this weekend. They are off. Then it's Michigan State at home, and you go to Indiana, and then you return home for the game against Ohio State. I guess we get to almost go one at a time here. Michigan State... Get a chance to potentially build some confidence this week against Illinois after three straight uncompetitive losses to Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State, which, you know, are the class of the conference. But, you know, now they're without a a key defensive player. To to me, I think that's (laughs) the
2: easiest game on mission schedule remaining. At home, against a team that is searching for answers right now and can't seem to get any. And Indiana is one of the hottest teams in the country yet. At seven and two, so I mean that's a road game. So uh, I think right now, if you have to rank the order of difficulty for each games, I would say Michigan State is
1: probably the easiest. I would agree with you, but thinking like that is may cost. I mean, may cost mm-hmm. Michigan. Michigan State always plays Michigan well, no matter how good the teams are. I mean, it is a, it is in Ann Arbor, so like, you know. Michigan State's and the come in with the underdog mentality and the us-against-the-world thing. I do think Michigan beats Michigan State, and it could be a blowout. It very well could be, but I just don't think it's going to be. I think Michigan wins. It'll probably be a close game, just like I think Indiana maybe as well. I mean, Indiana mm-hmm. seems to always play Michigan tough. It is on the road in Bloomington. I think playing really good football right now as well. So Michigan's schedule, while well, like two of these three games kind of look like you know The outside may look like cupcakes. I I don't think they're going to be. I think they'll be close games. They'll be competitive. I think that's what Michigan needs at this point when you've got Ohio State looking sure. to in the schedule, a game where I don't think is going to pick Michigan to win at this point. However, if Michigan can play well these next two games and put together complete games like they did the last few weeks against Notre Dame and Maryland, I think it gives some folks – you know, and it'll give Ohio State some degree, some you know, some caution going in that November 30th matchup here, and again, that's at home as well.
0: Yeah, I'm with Aaron about Michigan State. I think Michigan should win that game, but I I won't assume that it will be easy. Indiana, as we mentioned, okay, they won four in a row. You know, they played Michigan close in, in recent years. I mean, if I was looking, it was like the last eight matchups or whatever, you know, all but two of them were right, right there kind of late in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, that's just somewhat unusual given that uh, this is a team that Michigan has beat 23 straight true, times. True. That's tied for the, I believe, the longest you true. know active streak. Ohio State has also beaten them 23 straight times.
1: Last year, Michigan beat them by 11. The year before in Indiana, they beat them by a touchdown. Hmm. The year before that, they only beat them by 10. 2015, they only beat him by a touchdown. So, in mm-hmm.
2: what was it one of those games, an overtime game, too? Yes, yeah,
1: uh, two years ago, 2017. Yeah. yeah, I think double overtime. And that again, that wasn't a very good Michigan team, but and it wasn't Bloomington, but I think Indiana is a better team than they were two years ago as well. Sure. So, like, this is a better team. I, I think they're going to be competitive. I'm almost looking forward more to the Indiana game than the Michigan State game. I just, I think that's going to be a good matchup. Two teams, Indiana, is playing better football, I think, than they have in the last few years. But these final three games are going to be easy, and Jim Harbaugh acknowledged that this week on the radio show. He called it, I think, a three-game war. He knows that. They know that. So the schedule is going to be difficult. Well, at the tail end of
0: those three games, of course, is Ohio State. So, I mean, is Michigan playing well enough right now to beat Ohio State? Because you've talked about they've, they've hit a stride. They've sort of mm-hmm. found an offensive identity. The defense has been you know, pretty dominant recently. But, I I mean, I also just uh, sort of answer the question. I don't think you can just be a team that's running the ball and beat Ohio State. I think you have to do both. It's going to be hard, though, because Ohio State's got, like, the best pass-ranked defense in in the whole country,
2: too. So it's – they're clicking on all cylinders right now. So the one thing Michigan does have going for them is that the game is in Ann Arbor. Other than that, I mean, just if you look at across the board, offense, defense – quarterback play, it just looks like the advantage has to go to Ohio State in all those categories at this point.
1: I agree. I think while Michigan is playing better on both sides of the ball, I think they've figured it out offensively. I don't think they have the firepower or the stamina to keep with Ohio State. I think last year they stood a better chance than they do this year. Now, though I think it's going to be that lopsided, maybe not, mm-hmm. because it is Ann Arbor. Ohio State is looking just as good, if not better, than they were last
2: season. But you know, two know. years ago, I mean, this Michigan team was a lot worse than they are now, uh-huh. and they gave Ohio State everything they could handle early on until Dwayne Hastings comes in and they had no answer for him. But, I mean, Michigan went up 14 to nothing uh-huh. in that game and looked like they might be able to pull off the upset that, at home. And that
1: game wasn't in our so result. Right, yeah. I, think, I think that helps, obviously. But at this point, if this if that game was like next week, I would be picking Ohio State to win maybe by double digits, a couple touchdowns. I'm really looking forward to the Ohio State-Penn State game on November
2: 23rd to kind of see how those teams stacked up and, and maybe learn a little bit more. Because, I mean, yeah, Ohio State really hasn't been tested that much in tough environments yet. I mean, their toughest road game so far has been at Nebraska, at Indiana. I mean, they really haven't played anyone difficult on the road yet this year. So And then they have Penn State at home too. So it might be a tough environment
0: for them to go into, into mm-hmm. Michigan. So we'll – Right, I forgot Ohio State had already played Indiana this year, so they now have 24 straight wins. over right, them, I guess yeah. Michigan will look to tie that. But all right, well, yeah, interesting to watch these next few weeks as we look at Michigan's opponents, and then you know Michigan gets uh, back on the field uh, in two weeks against Michigan State. The college basketball season begins tonight. You know, as we're recording this here on a Tuesday, so yeah, rejoice, basketball fans! It is here. There are two great games in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, this this Champions Classic has become an annual thing at Madison Square Garden. We'll have Kyle Austin of M Live will be there covering Michigan state you know you've got the number three and four teams in the country playing the first game and that's is the team. uh the undercard if uh, it's yeah. one and two in the next game so it's literally the top four teams in the country playing has in that, that
2: ever game. happened before have I, they ever done that though I, I don't know game? they i don't
0: think they've all been four i mean right. they, they've, I they've all been mean. in the top maybe even five in certain years or top right. 10 but, but like yeah one two, one, two, two three, three four, yeah. four. Yeah. yeah that should be fun michigan faces appalachian state here at Chrysler Center, so that that is the first official game of the Jawan Howard era. And they had the exhibition game last Friday, which, you know, gave us some clues about style of play and, and things like that. Sort of the, the number one story coming out of yesterday's press conference previewing um, this game was that, you know, Jawan Howard had a bit of a slip up. It was kind of a surreal yeah. moment um, in this press conference. So a question was asked, very general question about recruiting. I mean, it was simply, you know, the, the early signing period is coming up November 13th. It begins where, you know, players who already committed somewhere or not can actually sign and you know their letter of intent to to play for that school the next season. So he was just asked about I'll read you the question exactly. I know in the past you've spoke a lot about the adjustment required in recruiting. I'm just curious how that transition has gone with the early signing period approaching. So not asked about any <laughs> specific player or anything like that. You know, he said it's been good. We've been grinding, plugging away. There are some guys out there who we've offered to and we're in the running for. Hunter Dickinson is one. (laughs) Moses Moody is the other. Namari Burnett. And then Juwan Howard makes literally the gulping sound. I never heard someone actually gulp before.
1: (gasps) That's what he does.
0: (laughs) And he has this this wide-eyed look. And he goes, I don't know if I should be mentioning. And before he can even finish his sentence, the program sports information director standing next to him goes, no, you should not. (laughs) And he goes, oh, shucks. He says, oh, shucks. Another thing you don't hear too often.
2: And he's like, like, like that's
0: one of the NCAA rules I really need to get to understand. I'm learning throughout this process. It's different from the NBA. No excuses. I'll learn these rules. Yeah, it's not the first time. I mean, at his introductory uh, press conference at Michigan, he mentioned a player. He's now on the team called Badgema. Howard said he implied that Bajima had, you know, asked for his release from Michigan when Beeline left. But don't worry, you know, Michigan fans, he has recommitted to Michigan and he will be signing his letter of intent soon. And like, you know, the fans and like alumni and supporters there clapped. And I'm sitting there thinking like, uh, you can't say that if that part (laughs) is true. I got in touch with Bajima's family and coaches and learned that he actually had never asked for his release. So he was signed the whole time. So he was discussing a signed prospect. That's fine. The rule comes in where you can't discuss unsigned prospects. So um, what's the possible
2: penalty? For, it it for probably
0: you? would be very minor. You know, if you self-report it, which, you know, I know they've already started the ball rolling on, on, potentially doing that, you know, something like if you have, again, this is speculation, maybe I shouldn't even do this, but whatever, you know, something like you, you get a certain number of, of days, you know, to recruit during a particular period, you know, you're docked a day or two oh, or you can't go on the road, or, you know, you're able to make calls, you know, to recruits, you know, for the 2023 class during starting on this day, you got to wait a day or two before you can do it. It's something that it truly is, you know, a slap on the wrist. And as you can see, it's it's a pretty minor thing. You know, people wondering what this rule, you know, is in place for an NCA spokesman told me one of the previous times that kind of Jawan stepped into this territory. These rules were adopted, And intended to prevent schools from engaging the general public, including passionate fan bases, to put additional pressure on prospects as they weigh all of their options about college choices. We know these names were not a
1: surprise. They had put on social media that Michigan had offered them
0: that They, they were Michigan was a finalist.
1: They don't want the coaches saying, Hey, I'm recruiting so and so, yeah. and telling the fan base, Hey, go like tweet at them, tell them to come <laughs> to Michigan. That's and I understand that, yeah. yeah. And, and that stuff
0: are... probably happens anyway, it happens anyway, yeah. So, start thinking about like name, image, and likeness that we're yeah. all now talking yeah. about. I mean, geez, what you know, a school could start if that's now going to be allowed, you almost start making stuff for a kid before yeah. he's even there. I, I don't know, but. Yeah, I mean, I, and I did dig into to the rule itself. It's that you n- may not comment about a prospect's ability or his potential contribution to the team. He didn't do that. He just said that they're interested in him. But basically, you can't do anything besides confirming that you're recruiting. Crucible, so if right. someone said, "Hey, are you?" He could have said, said yes, yes, but most coaches don't even not get right, into that. Right. It's no comment because they just don't even want to go there. So. As to you can't talk about either. the likelihood of an ad, of a prospective student athlete committing to or signing with that institution, and I think that's where he probably did by saying that where there's guys out there that we're in the running for, and highlighting a few guys, that's probably he, he's probably is indicating he's that there's a chance. Yeah, but hey, uh, Michigan fans, uh, you're in the running for Hunter Dickinson, <laughs> Moses Moody, and Amari Burnett. <laughs> yeah, it's a five star 2 four stars, you know, top forty players for the 2020 class. But again, we kind of We kind of already knew this. Again, guys that have Michigan in their final four, final three, in the case of Moody, I think. So it was it was just kind of a surreal moment. I mean, the, mm-hmm. he says that, and then it's like, all right, well, where do we go from here? <laughs> Next question came, which was you know, completely unrelated or whatever, and he needed it repeated because he was still clearly was like almost it. flustered by it. I mean, yeah. it ended, and he, he kind of took a sip from his water and just sat there for a second, like, oh, man. Joanne needs
1: someone, I think, to like, re- I we were talking about this before we started recording, but Joan really needs someone to like reinforce what he can and can't say when it comes to recruiting. I think, I think and he shouldn't be mentioning any of his kids, or even think about mentioning Correct. He's just talk about them in general. Correct. You know?
0: you, and you could talk about recruiting generally without right, without right. doing that. I mean, right. He exactly. He did it at a uh, Big Ten media day in Chicago. Correct. That. I thought he had a very insightful comment about, "Hey, we get one recruit, we get one commit. I think that'll get the ball rolling, and we'll get more." You mm-hmm. say something like that, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But yeah, it was just
1: again, it's almost just kind of funny. It's not a big huge deal, but. No. Is news it did happen? Now, I um, wonder if he does it again because this is the second instance of like at least coming up. Like I yeah. wonder at what point does the NCAA say hey like you got to stop this? You yeah, know, right. You right. <laughs> yeah, right. Can't keep doing it.
0: Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, th- again, this is probably the, this is the first time where they had to report anything, probably because really. the others were just. Kind of close calls, I guess, but Michigan does play Appalachian State tonight. Like I mentioned, yeah, they're they're a team that also has a new coach. So yeah, trying to scout for them has been has been interesting. Joanne said, kind of looking at where that coach was last year and and kind of looking at what they've done. But yeah, the exhibition game was you know the same same starting lineup had reported on from their close scrimmage. You know, as far as. Where offense is going to come from. I mean, Isaiah Livers is going to be a key piece of that as someone who can score inside and out. I think this team will rely on its defense and try, really try to turn defense into offense. I mean, that has been talking about for the last couple of years and been talked about, but. Not really executed that well, but I think, you know, Juwan definitely wants to push the the tempo. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. And it's a team that I think will definitely miss Franz Wagner for as as long as he's out, but he could be a a big boost when he comes back, you know, just being around this program a little more as there's been actual games and availability and things like that. And I've kind of gotten a better sense of what he was doing in practice before he got hurt. And, you know, people were impressed. I mean, he was doing it on both ends, but scoring, especially, is where Michigan needs it. So, what's your prediction for tonight then? I mean, it's a funny game to predict, given that there's two, you know, these two teams that you know, there's a lot of unknowns. Michigan is an 18 point favorite in Vegas, so sure. I mean, that seems right. I don't do a, I don't typically do a score prediction for every game, but yeah. I mean, I Mich- Michigan, Michigan, Michigan should should be they're, they're right. they've got some real issues. Yeah, if they really lose, there's a few. They've got four games before they uh, their Thanksgiving tournament in the Bahamas one of them is against Creighton. So you got a big East opponent who's unranked in the preseason but top 40 right. team in the country. You know, that one that one will be a real test. The other three, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to drop heads. any of those. So uh but yeah, Shawan Howard era begins Tuesday night in Ann Arbor. What channel is it on? It is on BTN. BTN, all right. Big 10 network. All right, you do
2: but no no mission football game this week. I know I typically get your guys' predictions for those, but there is a number one versus number two matchup this week. Who you got? LSU or Alabama? Ooh, where's it at? I think it's at LSU. Is it LSU? Uh, so. I'll go with the home team.
0: How about that? Yeah, I I'm pretty sure it's actually at Alabama. <laughs> so, whatever it's at, yeah, I'm he's taking the home, team. The home, team. Taking the home um, team. Yeah, it's probably always a good idea to. Picking oh, against Alabama in a football game.
1: Is some people have good. LSU number one national. I think the AP poll has. Yeah, yeah, uh, they, yeah. Are, uh, yeah yes. they are the one in that oh, matchup. It is in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, they are the one in that matchup. I think be, I mean, it should be a fun game. It should be a close one. Oh, there's yeah. some good matchups this weekend. You got you got Minnesota playing Penn State. We're going to find out if Minnesota's for real. You got, you got LSU, Alabama. I feel like there's one. Iowa, big, Wisconsin. Iowa, Wisconsin's yeah. decent. There, I thought there was another one, too. But there's some good games this weekend. It'd be nice to actually sit down and watch Boise State, Wyoming. Okay. Michigan is a game. So the, match, nice right? to actually, you know, be able to watch some football for for fun as opposed to covering a game. There you go. I got Bama as well. Uh, I'm
2: taking LSU. There I you think go. this is snapping eight game losing streak. You don't know with Tua's health, and right. you know, I think I think Joe Burrow is for real.
0: There you have it. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wolverine Confidential
2: Podcast.